Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We are really glad that you're here. Uh, today we're going to lay a foundation for our new series that actually launches next week, Transformed. But you know me, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the, the couple named Morris and Esther? Every year, Morris and Esther loved to go to the state fair. And when they would go to the state fair, Morris would look around and see that helicopter and he'd say, Esther, I'd like to take a ride on that helicopter. And Esther would say, now, Morris, you know it's $50 to ride that helicopter and $50 is $50. And that seemed like that happened every year. And finally, um, he said, now, Esther, I'm 85 years old. And if I don't get to ride that helicopter, I don't know if I'll ever get to ride it. She looked at him and she said, Morris, you know it's $50. And $50 is $50. As they were talking, the pilot of the helicopter overheard them and said, look, I've got a deal for you. I'm going to take both of you on this ride. I'll take both of you. But here's the deal. I won't charge you anything if you do not say a single word. You can't say a single word. If you come out of that, then it's on me. But if you say one word, you're going to have to pay for this trip. And so they loaded up in that helicopter and he started doing maneuvers like uh, they had never seen. And it was, it was something else. And uh, daredevil stunts. And when he landed, he, he said, now, Morris, he said, I am surprised that, that you didn't say anything. I expected you to yell out. Um, so I'm impressed. And he said, well, the truth is, um, I almost said something when Esther fell out. <laughs> but you know, $50 is $50. Well, today I'm not going to talk to you about $50, but I am going to talk to you about 50 days of transformation. We're starting a brand new series called uh, Transformed, and it really starts next week, but we're going to look at seven areas of your life. We're going to look at your spiritual, uh, your physical, mental, and emotional health, and we're going to look at your relationships, your money, and your career. Now, this series that we're launching is all about potential. It's about possibilities. It's about your future and how that you can make the rest of your life better. I think God has, I believe that God has a plan for your life and he wants to change you into the person that he has created you to be. Now here's what you need to know, that if you're going to change your life, you've got to change the way you think. If you want to change your life, then you have to change the way you think. You have to train your mind to think new thoughts. There's one verse that we're going to build this entire series on 
It's going to be the foundation, the foundation of every message. And this one verse that we're going to memorize, and you've already seen it on the walls out in the lobby. It's uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing. Now, being transformed means to be changed, to become different. How are we transformed? We're transformed by God's Word. The words of the Bible have this uh, spiritual energy and spiritual power in them to, to wash you clean and to really change the way you look at your life, change the way you approach challenges and problems, change the way that you approach your future. It changes us from the inside out. And so make it a point to be here every Sunday. Make it a point to get in a small group so that the word can go deep in you. So let's get started. A couple of weeks ago, I said when God wants to do something in your life, he begins with a dream. He begins with an idea. He begins with a, um, a goal or an ambition. Today I want to talk to you about setting spiritual goals because I believe if you set a goal, you can change your life. You know, when you think about it, top-level athletes, successful business people, and people who win at life, all of those in those categories are goal setters. Setting goals gives you a long-term vision, and it also gives you short-term motivation. It helps you get up in the morning, roll up your sleeves, and do what you need to do that day. I believe that goals can transform your life. They can transform your life spiritually, mentally, and physically. They can change your family. They can change your career. And I believe that they can really set you on the path to go further and faster than you ever dreamed possible. I believe that there are four things that you need to know about goal setting, and that's what we're going to focus on today. There are four things that I believe that you need to know about goal setting. First of all, goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. Now, some of you probably have never thought about that before. When you study the scriptures, though, you'll see that God has goals for your life. And if you're going to be the person that he has created you to be and the, the person with all that potential that he has given you, you've got to set some goals and specifically some spiritual goals. So many times people, they're all about setting goals for their business and their life, but they never consider that they're more than just a physical being, that they're a spiritual being. You have a soul. You have a spiritual side. And so I'm going to be challenging you over the next several weeks to set goals so that you can grow spiritually. Today we want to look at some of the Apostle Paul's writings, and you've heard me talk about him a lot over the last several weeks. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And today we're going to look at Philippians, and he wrote this book to a group of people uh, in a local church in the city of Philippi, and he had gone down uh, and spent three months there to launch this church. And when he was there in Philippi, he was like a magnet that people came to hear what he had to say. And as a result of that, people put their faith in Christ. 
People like Lydia, who was a, a businesswoman. People like the Philippian jailer, who was doing his job, and there was an earthquake. And, and that, uh, that trauma of that earthquake uh, came, uh, caused him to come to Paul and said, What must I do to be saved? And, and his whole house uh, whole, uh, came to Christ. And so Paul is writing this letter to encourage these people and to thank them for their kindness. They had been very kind to Paul. And so, uh, but in that, you'll see that he set goals for himself. We pick it up in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. He said, not that I have obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to yet have taken hold of it, but, but this one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We see in these writings, as Paul is writing to this group of people, this local church, that he was goal-oriented. And in this letter, he's he's admitting, he said, look, y'all, he said, I have not obtained, I have not obtained what I want to do. I've not reached my goal yet. I'm still working on it, but I am pressing on. He is one of the greatest leaders of all times in the Christian world and in the secular world. And it's interesting that Paul did not have a problem admitting his own personal shortcomings. He said, I'm not perfect, and I know it. And I believe when we come to this place that we are willing to admit that we have not arrived, that we are taking that first step to spiritual growth. Twice, he says in these words, I press on. Because he understands that if you're going to grow through the seasons that you're in now, if you're going to grow past the challenges that you have in your life, in your business, in your relationships, that you've got to press on. Twice, he says, I press on. I press on. What we see is in your spiritual life, direction makes all of the difference. Direction makes all the difference. Where are you going? Paul had this this, uh, determination that he was going to press through this. Because he had his eyes on the prize. He was determined to get through this. He had a determination that he was going to forget what was behind. But he was going to stress and press through Um, with passion, those things that are ahead. He was focused on a goal. It's interesting, he says, this one thing that I do. This one thing. He didn't say, now, I've got 20 things that I want to do. But he said, this one thing. Paul understood the importance of focus. Paul understood the importance of focusing your life on things that really matter, to concentrate on those things that matter. And to do this, you've got to forget the past and you've got to press toward the future. To do this, you've got to focus on those things that are important. 
So let me ask you a question. What is that one thing for you? What is that one thing? If you had to narrow your life down to one thing, I mean, you have, a hundreds of possi- you have hundreds of possibilities, but you have to narrow it down and say, okay, what takes precedence in my life? What is the number one priority in my life? Jesus makes it very clear in, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things that you desire, they're going to be added to you as well. This verse is about priorities. It's about putting God first in your life. And you have a spiritual responsibility. Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. If you don't have goals for your life, and specifically spiritual goals for your life, What you're saying is, I'm going to let somebody else run my life. I'm going to let somebody else establish my path. And I'm just going to put it in neutral and I am going to coast my way. If you are coasting your way, let me tell you. You can only coast as you're going downhill. Think about it. Very very practical. You only coast... When you're going downhill. So if you are at that place where you're just ready to coast a little bit. Let me tell you where you're headed. You're just headed downhill. I want you to use this transform series as a time to establish some spiritual goals. Here's the second reason I think this is important. Because goals are statements of faith. A lot of people think that goal setting is an activity that only business leaders do or maybe only athletes do, but this is not the case. I believe that goal setting is a statement of faith. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you set a goal, you're saying, I believe, I have faith, I have faith that God wants me to accomplish such and such by such and such time. When you say that, you're making A statement of faith. And so what we see is when you set a goal, you're stretching your faith. The bigger your goal, the bigger your faith has to be stretched. Now, two weeks ago, I I called my staff together. For day 23 of 21 days of prayer. It was day 23 of our 21 days of prayer. And I asked them, I said, look... I want you to bring with you, I want you to meet me in the auditorium. Uh, It was a Monday morning, day 23 of 21 days of prayer. And I want you to meet me in the auditorium, if you would like to, uh, with three envelopes. And I told the staff, I said, I want these envelopes to be sealed and nobody will open that. The only um, people will know it'll be between you and God. And the first envelope I want you to have is... I want your mortgage written down, okay? I want your mortgage on that, or if you don't have a house, I want um, the house that you're dreaming about, and I want you to put that in an envelope. The second one, I want your, what, what do you owe on your car, okay? What do you owe on your car? And, and if you don't have a car, I want, what kind of car do you feel like you need to accomplish uh, the life God's given you, Okay? 
And the third thing is I want you to write down in the third envelope, and I want you to seal it. I want you to have, if you have any consumer debt, I want you to put that number of that consumer debt on that, all of it, whether it's student loans, whether it's um, uh, credit cards, bank cards, uh, any type of consumer debt, I want you to write that down, and I want you to seal that, and I want you to write on outside consumer debt. And I want you to come and we are going to, I am going to pray over you. I'm going to pray over you. And so we started to pray. And for an hour and a half, I just prayed. And I just prayed, God, bring their mortgage down to a zero balance. God, bring their car payments down to a zero balance. God, bring their debt down to a zero balance. And one by one, I just prayed over them. I just feel like it is so important for us to understand that God is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or even imagine according to the power that works in us. And so many times we don't have that vision, that that stretch goal. You know, over 30 years ago, I mean, I started praying and this is, we were just like, at this time, maybe three years off of food stamps and living in government housing. And I, and I just started praying, God, uh, we were in a house at this time living in Montclair. And I was just praying, God, bring our mortgage down to a zero balance. And I just started praying that. And it happened. But you say, Marty, yeah, it happened. But it took 30 years for that to happen for you. It did. And we move every seven years, so it's, it's a challenge with that. And that is true. We do move every seven years. We've been in this current house three years. And Patty said, okay, where are we going next? Maybe this is the retirement home. Who knows? But here's the point. If I didn't set a goal back in 1985 when I was walking through that living room of that house in Montclair and said, God, I just pray that you'd bring this mortgage down to a zero balance. If I didn't pray that, uh, I don't think I would be where I'm at today. And what I am saying to you and what I'm saying specifically to the team that I work with, I want you to see God uh, as he is. He is so much bigger than you imagine. And he is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or even imagine. So the, the point is, what are you praying for that is big? What are you praying for? It is big. I know that maybe you're going to grandma's house this weekend and you're saying, God, give me a a safe trip to grandma's house. And I can appreciate the little details of that. Or God, help me make it through um, this test that I have in, in school tomorrow. I can appreciate that. There's a good possibility if you study, you're going to make it through that test. And if you drive safely, you're going to make it to grandma's house. The question is, what are you praying for that's big? What are you praying for that if God doesn't somehow come and, and, and meet you at that need, it's never going to happen? I said this a couple of weeks ago. Let the size of your God determine the size of your goals. What are you praying for this big? 
What goals are you setting? I think there are two common mistakes that we make in setting goals. First of all, we set them too low. And secondly, we try to accomplish them too quickly. We set them, we set the bar too low, and then we try to accomplish the goals too quickly. And I just want to challenge you, and it may be for you, a 12-month goal, or it could be a a three-year, a five-year, or it could be for you that it took 30 years. 30 years. But I want you to set a goal. I want you to set a goal. I want you to get in your mind the very concept of being debt-free. And man, if you start talking about that, you are going against the culture. You're going against the culture. And, and you're saying, there's no way. Well, that's true. There's no way but God. There's no way but God. I believe that God will give you what you need when you need it. And God will give you the ability to create wealth. And it it may be in the job that you have, but it may be in other ways that God anoints you or gives opportunity to you and that you'll see that come in. Hear me. And I will talk about this more later in this series when we talk about transforming our money. And so this is not a money series, but I just want this so much for you. I don't want you to be burdened down like I have been burdened down and wondering in, in your life, um, wh- how are you going to live and, and are you going to have any food to eat? I don't want you to be like us and have an empty pantry with no food in it. But I will say this. I believe that God has allowed us to go through tough times so that we can understand and we can appreciate the blessings that he has brought Because if I've never had a problem, how would I ever know that God could solve it? If I've never ever been sick, how would I know that God could heal? So there is something about embracing the problems, embracing the difficulty, because when you embrace and you experience that, you understand firsthand how good God is, how God will reach down in your challenging moments, how God will reach down in your problems, and He'll give you a a helping hand. He will lift you up. I think when we look at our lives that we overestimate what we can do in a year. And we underestimate what you can do in 10 years. We overestimate what we can do in a year. Oh yeah, we can do this. We can launch this business and we can uh, uh, be on the Fortune 500 list in a year. Probably not. We overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. So instead of thinking about those tiny goals and trying to accomplish them instantly, my challenge is to find a big goal for your life and give your life to that goal. I did when Patty and I were 26 years old. We started this church with 24 people in a barred living room. 
with no money and no building. I'll never forget, the Augusta Chronicle did an interview and did a story on us. And I think uh, we found a picture of that. Uh, This is back in the day. But the interesting thing about this, because back in the day, that is when uh, I led worship, I sang to, and Patty would sing. I'll never forget, uh, you know, Todd was being a little uppity one day. And, um, and he told me, you know, he was about his value. And I said, look, I led worship and I can do it again. <laughs> and Todd said, Marty, you led worship when they were, were running less than 100 people. And if you lead worship again, we'll be, lead, we'll be having less than 100 people. <laughs> Todd's here. <laughs> and he is a blessing. <laughs> But anyway, I highlighted this because uh, here back at the Chronicle put this, and this is over 30 years ago, Baker wants to establish a balanced ministry and has set a goal of 200 members by December. In six months, I'm going to have 200 members. I underestimated what I could do. I overestimated what I could do in a year, and I think I underestimated what I could do in uh, 10 years. Here's the truth of the matter. After the first year, we had 90 people. After the second year, we had 93. After the third year, we had 93. After the fourth year, we had 97. And here I am in print saying, yes, by the end of this year, in five, six months, I'm going to have over 200 people. It didn't happen. It didn't happen after year four, five, or six People, it's so interesting. People look at Stevens Creek and they think Stevens Creek is an overnight success. And, and oftentimes I'm, I'm called to do pastor's conferences and tell the Stevens Creek story. The interesting thing is uh, we started in 1987. In January 2000, 13 years later, in January 2000, we had 290 people. Took 13 years to get there. Now from there to now, we've seen exponential growth. So many times, though, we get discouraged because it doesn't happen, like I said, uh, by December. By December, we're going to have this amount of people. I think that... I just want you to understand... Those of you that have set goals, those of you that have these dreams, those of you that you have not seen it happen in the time frame that you thought it would happen, I would just simply say to you, don't give up. But get up tomorrow, roll up your sleeves, and go after it. Just do it. And on Tuesday, I need you to get up and roll up your sleeves and go after it. And maybe on Wednesday, do the same. And you know what? You may come back to church next week and say, you know what? I really rolled up my sleeves and I worked hard and it didn't happen this week. I said, well, this is what I need you to do. I need you to get up tomorrow morning and I need you to roll up your sleeves and I need you to go after it. And that's what we do here. And we are not satisfied at Stevens Creek about where we've come from. 
Because I'm in a stage in my life where I am just praying that the next generation of Creekers will know how to be used by God and experience the power of God. And honestly, the reason that we had day 23 of day uh, 21 days of prayer, because I want my young team not to be relying on the stories of the last 30 years. But I want them to see God move in their lives so that they become the stories of the church as we go forward. We cannot be a congregation that just tells stories of the past, but we've got to create new stories and we've got to see God move in new ways and we've got to have His power uh, released in new ministries. Amen. I love telling the stories of the past, but I am telling you, that's not what's going to get me out of bed tomorrow morning. It's the dream of a new future. It's a dream of a new hope. It's a dream of a next generation that goes into this community and says lost people matter to God. And if they matter to God, then they matter to us. It's a group of people that says, yes, we're going to love God and we're going to love people and we're going to serve this world. That's what motivates me. And that's why I come every week and say, come, we can do this. Here's the third thing. Goals give me motivation and goals give me focus. They help me keep moving. And the biggest challenge that you're going to have in your life and the biggest challenge that I have is just distractions. This world is full of distractions. That we start off in this and all of a sudden we're distracted. I mean, it's like all of us have this kind of spiritual ADD going on. That we put our hand to the plow and before you know it, we look back. And the Bible says when you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. And so we've got to stay focused. But yet there's so many distractions. You know, when you think about it, there are only three things that you can do with your life. You can spend it. You can waste it. Or you can invest it in something that's going to outlast you. And my goal is just to challenge you to invest your life. And to give it over to the Lord. Paul said it this way. He said, therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly, and I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. He goes on to say, I am running this race to win. I am running this race to win. I'm not just messing around here. I want you to run the race to win. And I want you to understand that when you have a long-term goal... It'll keep you from being discouraged when you have short-term setbacks. When you have a long-term goal, it's going to keep you from being discouraged when you have short-term setbacks. Everybody has setbacks. Everybody blows it. Everybody has failure. In fact, I believe failure is the only way you can succeed. So maybe you don't call it failure. Maybe you call it education. Because there's a lot of things I failed at and I'm thinking like, okay, I I ain't never going to do that again. 
Never going to go down that path. I learned my lesson. I don't want to do that. And it's in those uh, failing times that I, I start to learn what it means to live differently. It's in those failing times that the fourth and final thing is this, that God, God builds my character. And over the next several weeks, I want to challenge you to set some new goals. And I believe that God is going to build your character through this process. Because God is more interested in your character than he is in your accomplishments. So many times we think about our success here on this earth. You know, you can't take your success to heaven. You can't take this stuff with you. Every person that I buried, I buried them with their hands open. They're not clutching on to anything. You can't take it with you, but you can take people with you. You can't take people with you, and that's why uh, the, the message is so important here. Paul said, not that I've already obtained all this, but I have already, or I've arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. I am pressing on. I am pressing on. Now, that's what I challenge you today. I want you to press on. Ten years from today, some of you may not be in church. Ten years from today, some of you may not be married to the person you're married to. Why is that? Because you never intended to. You never intended to be that person that you're in, God wanted you to be. You never intended to be that, that man of God, that woman of God. You just kind of floated. You just kind of coasted. You just kind of drifted along. I don't want you to continue to drift. I want you to be intentional. My prayer is for you to be all that God has created you to be. And we're starting this series and we're believing that God's going to change your life. I think there's three things that you need to change your life. And very quickly, I need God's spirit to empower me. This is not based on willpower. It's based on God's power. It's not based on trying. It's based on trusting. I'm saying, God, give me your power. I love the words of Zechariah 4 and 6. He said, it's not by might nor by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord Almighty. I need God's spirit to empower me. Secondly, I need God's word to guide me. The more you get this book in, and the words of this book in your mind, the more your path will be clearer. That's what Joshua said. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written within it. And notice this, and then you will be prosperous and successful. The third one is this, I need God's people to support me. You're not going to reach your goals by yourself. It's going to take a team to fulfill your dream. It's going to take other people. And that's why uh, we push a small group, a crowd like this, especially the size of Stevens Creek. A crowd can't support you, but a small group can. Three, four, five, six people. Ecclesiastes said, the, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Matthew said it this way, where two or three are gathered in his name, he's with them. 
I just believe there's something powerful about connecting with other people. And I just don't want you to do life alone. I want you to do life together. We're launching small groups next Sunday or next Monday. If you'd like to join a small group, stop by the information center as you leave here. And our time is up, but I want to pray over you. I want to pray that God moves in your life. I want to pray that God touches you right where you are. That this will be one of those life-altering moments in your life. In about two minutes, I'm going to ask you to stand for prayer. And when we do that, some of you will be tempted to grab your purse and hit the door. Grab your program and hit the door. I don't want you to miss this moment. I just want you to open up and say, God, I need help. That's all. God, I need help. Will you help me? Will you guide me? Some of you are going to say, God, will you save me? Next week, we're going to talk about your spiritual life. I'm telling you, if you know of anybody that needs uh, to come to faith in Christ, next week's the week to have them here. Next week is that. But today we're focused on releasing God's power in our lives. So are you ready to receive it? Let's stand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're standing in your presence today. We're standing in your presence. And Father, there are people that walked in this, this room. Some of them have never met you, never made a decision to follow you. There are those others that have come in here and they have been so burdened by what they have gone through this week. God, there's a whole other group of people that they are so blessed with opportunity that that opportunity has inundated them and they've lost their focus and it's like they're marking time. I could go on. There's a whole list of issues that we all bring to this, this room, but here's what we know. There's one thing that we need more than anything else and Jesus, we need you. I need you, Lord. Just say that honestly to him. Say, I need you, God. I need you to move in my life. I need you to move in my family. I need you to move in my work. I need you to move in me. Fill me with your presence and fill me with your power. Pray that. Say, God, fill me today. I cry out to you. I want you to put your hands up like this, okay? And this is like a body language of saying, I receive from you. Say, Father, I receive what you have for me. I receive your power. I receive your strength. I receive your healing. I receive your help. And I receive this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Let's praise the Lord in this place. We give you praise, O Lord, and we worship you. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah to your name. Amen. Well, you be blessed as you leave and invite somebody to come with you, and I'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. 
See you next time.